We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to do some rapid fire? Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm always down for the rapid fire. Where it's All right. usually towards the end, but I think going towards this middle area might spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean we're you know we're sitting in the middle here, so we can take a little bit more time with rapid fire tonight. But John Oran from the Sports Business Journal had a small write up about Notre Dame, um, what the Big Ten deal means for Notre Dame. And here's what Oran says: Sources say Notre Dame should expect around sixty million dollars a year from a new TV contract though it's hard to predict how the media business will look three years from now. Uh, and he, he talks about it, you know, the report from a few years back, or not a few years, a few weeks back, you know, that Notre Dame could get up to $75 million per year. That's not really what the report said. The report said that, you know, that's what they were looking for. Uh, but he says that's because, you know, it uh, it fills its schedule with games like longstanding rivalry with Navy that traditionally bring in lower ratings. Obviously, Notre Dame would remain independent if it agrees to a new TV rights deal, but its association with the NBC and NBC's new association with the Big Ten make it more likely the Fighting Irish would add more Big Ten games to its schedule. So let's start with this. Do you buy or sell Notre Dame? Rather than than buy or sell, over under $60 million that you think Notre Dame actually gets in its new TV rights deal. I'm going to have to go with the over on the 60 million. I think Notre Dame is playing, uh, the, they're like the the hot girl in the new school. Everyone knows uh, that they're wanted uh, and, and they're going to drive up that price. And I think that they have a number very set in stone and they know that they can really kind of control uh, their destiny going forward. And I, I don't think that they would settle for anything. I think 70 million is kind of where their bottom is going to be. I think if, if, so if anything, they're, they're not going to get anything. I don't think NBC will get them to settle with any numbers in the 60s. I think 70 is kind of, you know, that, that's got to be the lowest. And I, I'm imagining that's where Notre Dame is going to have to get talked down to. I think they're going to be coming in with a, a larger number than that in the beginning. So I yeah, would Mike, say any – I would go right at 70,000. Or sorry, 70, 70 million. million. 70 million, yeah. Michael says 60 million from NBC, 10 million from ACC, you know, which would be, you know, whatever they get from – NBC or Fox or CBS or, you know, there's even been rumblings about ESPN maybe getting in the picture since they're losing the Big Ten and they have more inventory to fill. Uh, 
I think it's going to be over as well. And I'm not discounting the source on this, but, you know, not knowing who the source is, you know, like who the source is connected to, you know, like if it's an NBC source, you could easily see an NBC, you know, source feeding him. Well, it's not going to be 75. It's going to be closer to 60, you know, because they want the number driven down. So, you know, like where exactly this came from, because just last week, Oran was talking about he thought Notre Dame could easily command around $100 million in all this. And I still think that that it's got to be close to that, because as we talked about on last week's show, if NBC is willing to shell out $350 million for the second or third best Big Ten game every week, I think that Notre Dame's value in a TV contract, especially with a long-lasting relationship like they have, has to be worth at least somewhere around a third of that. And even $100 million would obviously be worth less than a third of that. And the other part of this is that you always, when you see these reports, Notre Dame TV contract going forward, you always only see NBC. It's discounting the fact that I think there are going to be other bidders out there. Just like when you, you know, because again, like Fox now has the big noon kickoff for the Big Ten, but they've got still a full day of inventory where they could have more games if they wanted, where Notre Dame would fit in there. Again, ESPN slash ABC losing the Big Ten. They've got inventory that they can fill. I'm not sure about CBS because they've got that specific time slot, but you know, I think that there, there, there are still more than there's still more than just NBC bidding on this. And if you got multiple bidders, then you've got a chance to drive this up. So I think 60 million sounds a little bit low, but again, like when you read Oran's report, he says 60 million could be enough for Notre Dame to keep it because you would be, if you're Notre Dame, you're more than doubling. You're almost tripling what you're getting from NBC right now, which is, you know, in that $22 million range. So you're not quite tripling it, but you're coming pretty close. Another thing Oran says though, because of the relationship NBC now has with the big 10 that you could see, he actually says, expect to see a return of Notre Dame's rivalry with Michigan before 2023, like you might see more Big Ten games added to the schedule. And this is something Bobby and I talked about next week, which could also, if Notre Dame is willing to do that, then you've got you know more desirable matchups that you're going to have on TV, which again could help drive up that you know that that uh, rights fee that we're talking about. So would you want to see more big 10 teams on the schedule in the future for Notre Dame, Jess? Yeah, we, you just hit on a lot of things there. I was like, I had three things in my mind that I was like, man, I want to talk about this, this, and this. And one of them <laughs> well, you was, can still hit them. <laughs> I, I, I really, I, I like the point of what you brought up. First of all, that I, I didn't realize kind of now that ESPN and ABC and, you know, Fox kind of has some open slots in their inventory. So I really think, you know, these are all things or factors that are really going to help drive that price up uh, for Notre Dame, assuming that some of these other people uh, have, you know, have interests like you're talking about. So that was kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about. And it doesn't seem like Ed wants uh, to sell out to ESPN. So I guess ESPN is not an option. Um, another thing I liked, yeah. A lot of people don't like ESPN, you know. This so. was the other one I wanted to get to. And I think this is an absolutely great point is, what what this broadcast booth we go from <laughs> Mike Tarico and Drew Brees to the ultimate downgrade of you know not saying these people this isn't a shot at who these people are but just 
the game, the flow, the 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 way that the you know presenting the game. I just don't really like that it's going to be Jason Garrett and Jack Collinsworth. I wish Notre Dame did have more control or say of you know who was going to be in the booth because I really, really, uh, I, I'm going to have to see the first game. You know, I I don't like. I'm not excited about it, but hopefully that first game will change well, my opinion. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I saw some of them do, you know, I, I saw them do some USFL games in the spring. They were okay, you know, but they weren't what I would call NBC, you know, Notre Dame quality, especially when you're going from Tarico to Collinsworth. And again, I'm not trying to take shots at Jack Collinsworth. He did a good enough job, but he just doesn't have that much experience. And I said it yesterday. It's like when the Miami Dolphins went from Dan Marino one year, a Hall of Famer, to Jay Fiedler the next. You know, <laughs> there's just going to be a huge drop-off in what you're going to get going from Tarico to Collinsworth. And I know you like Drew Brees more than I did. Jason Garrett, you know, again, I think he's going to be okay. But you're talking about a, a, a big, you know, drop-in experience factor as right. well. And, and something I said you know, like if you're going to have a first-time analyst like Jason Garrett, who's been in coaching forever, and this is his first time really getting in the booth, much more preferable to have a much more experienced play-by-play guy in to kind of help ease him along, you know, and and, and basically help, help him learn as they go. But that's not what you're going to have. You're going to have two really inexperienced guys in a pretty high-profile booth. So, Hopefully it goes well, but I just I'm I'm not based on what I have seen. You know, again, I think they're okay, but this booth is much more is deserving of much more than just okay, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. And D Rock Irish brought up another great point. If Notre Dame somehow landed with Fox and we could get Brady Quinn in the booth, I think that'd be a great uh pairing. And then kind of going back to the original question that that you asked me, I would love Notre Dame to play more uh, back in those Big Ten games. Those are some 
of, you know, some good, in my opinion, rivalries. I really liked when they were playing Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State every year. Those games are close by as well. So even on away games, a lot of Notre Dame fans can, you know, get to those games uh, and, and, you know, show their support and stuff. So I, I think that those are always good for the schedule. It always, you know, the Big Ten often seems to be who who rails on Notre Dame the most of not being in a conference and, you know, they need to, need to play for a conference championship. Well, you know, when Notre Dame goes 3-0 and 4-0 against the Big Ten, you know, teams yeah, on their schedule, I think it shows just like what they do with the ACC that they could be in those championship type level games uh, every year. So I enjoy having the Big Ten on the schedule. I like that they are kind of quote unquote rivalries. I would love to have Michigan back on the schedule. I think that's always a great game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would be in favor of, you know, having more of those Big Ten games again. V-Dub804 says, if Notre Dame goes to any network, I hope they pick CBS or Fox. I hate NBC's coverage, and I hope they say, hell no, to ESPN. I, Fox's Fox's college football, you know, they haven't been doing it for that long. It's gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. You know, everybody likes Brady Quinn, or at least, you know, Notre Dame people like Brady Quinn. Anyway, and for all the, you know, get Brady Quinn in the booth, it would, it would be a really great opportunity to do so. So, all right, let me see. I'm looking at a couple of different things right now. Yeah. Whose freshman receiving line will Tobias Merriweather's line most resemble at the end of this season? Will it be Michael Floyd, who had 48 catches, 719 yards, and seven touchdowns as a freshman. Will it be Kevin Stefferson just a few years ago? 25 receptions, 462 yards, and five touchdowns. Or will it be TJ Jones, 23 catches, 306 yards, and three touchdowns? Whose freshman line will Tobias Merriweather's line most look like at the end of the year? Uh, I really think uh, – I don't think he'll he'll come – not come close. I don't think he'll quite get to Michael Floyd's stat line, uh, but I think he'll do a little bit better than Kevin uh, Stefferson. So I'm going to go with like a hybrid of Michael Floyd and Kevin Stefferson. If I had to pick one, I think he'd be more closer to Kevin Stefferson. I think his receptions are going to be up uh, compared to Stefferson, the 25. I think that's why I mainly like the hybrid. I think his receptions will be closer to – you know, 40. I, I I don't, I like the yards that Severson had. I think he'll be right around 500, you know, maybe 600. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if he'll get the touchdowns quite yet. I think that's, that's kind of like the Michael Mayer role. I think they'll use their running backs and Buckner a lot down in the goal line. So Lorenzo touch, Styles, maybe yeah, even like Eli Raritan. Yeah. I think that the touch, I think he's going to be mainly like a, a possession kind of, you know, reception wide receiver. I think he's going to have a lot of He'll have a, lot, a decent amount of receptions, but I don't think they're going to be the big home run balls to get a lot of yards. I think there'll be a lot of quick, you know, quick routes, getting easy stuff, getting his confidence up, seeing himself catch the ball, and then we might see him expand for some of those bigger plays. But I think receptions are up, but I don't think his yardage and touchdowns uh, will get up too high. Yeah, and that's you know, like when you look at Michael Floyd in the line, he had 48 catches, 719 yards, seven touchdowns. Those are all freshman records, and you know, my, nobody. Nobody did, at Notre Dame anyway, nobody did and nobody has done what Michael Floyd did in his freshman season. I think it's going to be somewhere there. You know, I, I'm agreeing with what you're saying, somewhere kind of a hybrid of Stefferson 
and Jones, maybe, you know, like maybe 25 to 30 receptions for like 350 yards max and two or three touchdowns, something like that. And like listening to Chancey Stuckey talking, talk about him, Merriweather, yesterday, it sounds like there's still, you know, there's still a learning curve going on for as young and as talented as he is. You know, like you can't teach this stuff like being six, five and 200 pounds, you know, but there are still the finer points that he needs to work on. And, you know, even one of those things just being when you're six, five and, you know, probably when he was in high school, you know, still around 185, 190 pounds, you're bigger than everybody else. You're faster than everybody else that you're going up against in high school. Well, now it's different when you've got a six, two corner on the other side, who is just as strong as you if not stronger, who can push you off your route, you know? So I th- there, there are a lot of, and that's kind of something that Tobias Merriweather, it sounds like is still trying to figure out a little bit in practice, just the physicality getting off the line and, and doing some of those kind of things. So I think that as the season progresses, you know, there's, there's going to be, I think we're going to see more and more of him. I just don't know what it looks like early on in the season for a true freshman you know, now again, he's really talented and he's got a skill set that you can't teach being 6'5", 200 and fast. But I think that he's got to figure out some other things to be a really productive and consistent type receiver. I think we're going to see him. He's going to factor in in some ways. But he's, you know, again, there's some little things that he's got to figure out to really be a consistent receiver at this level. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things, and you talked about this a little bit, why did the, I think the two hardest things for you know freshman wide receivers you know, or any wide receiver kind of making that jump from high school to college? The number one thing is you talked about a lot of times you're just using your speed, natural height, and athletic ability to get by guys because you know it's it, we're talking about high school corners here. What he really has to learn is how is he going to create uh, separation in his routes uh, and not not just rely on his skill. What can he do to create separation? you know, and, and get those open kind of windows for Buckner uh, to have the confidence to get him the ball. And I think the next thing, important thing that you kind of have to take into consideration is a lot of these, you know, concepts and plays that Tommy Reese is, you know, designing, they have built in options depending on, you know, what the defense is giving you coverage wise. So a hard thing for him is going to be recognizing, you know, what coverage is and what that, you know, what that does to his route and being on the same page as Buckner when those type of things happen. So I think those are the two biggest learning curves that he'll have to go to go through to really, you know, kind of prove his, his ability to be, you know, a a full-time wide receiver on the field. I agree with that. I agree with that. Fill in the blank on this next question. It's blank that Notre Dame's October 22nd game against UNLV will only be on the Peacock app. (laughs) It's a scam that the, that the UNLV (laughs) game, will only be on Peacock. Uh, I bought it last year and they played Toledo and they got me. The scam worked. I still haven't canceled my membership. It charges me like $5 every month. I guess I, you know, five times 12, uh, that's, you know, quick $60 a year I have to pay just to watch two Notre Dame games. Uh, So we're talking almost $30 a year. I know I should be more diligent in canceling my membership, but (laughs) it's a scam. You know, it's just the only reason they're doing that is so Peacock gets people like me, more customers, more people to to pay them because that's, you know, ultimately what they're trying to do. And 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 NBC and Notre Dame's kind of lobbying it up to them to make some extra cash off one game this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it, but get used to it, you know. <laughs> it was it was either going to be UNLV or Marshall, but 
you know, my guess is because, you know, like last year it was Toledo and it was the home opener and it was on the Peacock app. So, you know, this year Marshall is the home opener. They're at least going to put that on regular NBC broadcast TV. I think we're going to see at least one game on the app every year. You know, and again, this kind of goes back to some of those broadcast negotiations and stuff like that. How does that affect the price? You know, and, and I, I kind of said this way back when, when all this stuff happened, when you're negotiating with these TV contracts and you've got these kind of games on your schedule, you know, like, okay, it's nice. You're playing Tennessee State next year and you're going to play an FCS and you're going to play a historically black school. You know, it's it's nice that you're doing that. And I understand the reasons you're doing that. It's going to help this school, but I don't know if it, you know, I, it, I don't think it helps your bottom line that much and it definitely those kind of games are not going to help you when it comes to tv negotiations and that kind of thing so yeah i definitely agree because you're going to have more more and more games on the app we talked earlier about notre dame's home kickoff times here's my question for you if you had your choice of what time your favorite nfl team played every week which time slot do you pick do you go one o'clock do you go four thirty, or do you take the prime time evening slot around eight o'clock eight twenty uh definitely not the one o'clock game uh, i think those are the most boring games and honestly it seems like uh, being a cowboys fan that the cowboys seem to perform the worst in those games uh i think they're a prime time team and kind of get uh caught up in their prime time ways of <laughs> not performing well unless they're in the in the prime time so uh, for me, it's either four or eight o'clock. I would have to go. I like the prime time slot. I like the late evening game. I like that it's the only game on. No, I don't have to worry about. You know, I, I play a lot of fantasy football, so naturally, I want to see what's going on in other games. I can give my entire, you know, focus and attention to the prime time, you know, game. So I'm gonna have to go with prime time. I know it's the only game on. I don't mind staying up late. Uh, so yeah, I, and honestly. <laughs> Watching the games, I usually get you know pretty hyped up. It, it's pretty fun to watch them in the evening time. A perfect way to end your you know your weekend on a Sunday or you know maybe a Monday night football game. So I'm gonna go with prime time. A lot of people taking the prime time. I'm surprised with that. I don't like the prime time, and here's why. You know, one, like if it's a Sunday game or a Monday game, either way, you're waiting all day. You're kind of waiting through some of these other games, <laughs> and it's like you're you know you're kind of killing your time and. You know, you're doing other stuff as well. What I hate the most about primetime games when I'm watching my team, and that's what I'm talking about, my team. I'm not talking about, like, primetime games in general. When I'm watching my team and I stay up all night and then they stink it up and then I go to bed <laughs> and I'm in a foul mood and, you know, my heart rate is up. You know, it's not about the staying up. Dustin Moore is, is, is chiming in at me. It's not about the staying up. That's what I was getting to. It's about the mood I'm in when they play like crap, and then I have to go to bed after they've played like crap, and they either lose you know, a game by two touchdowns, or even worse, if it comes right down to the wire you know, and they lose a close game, or like they're losing by a couple of touchdowns, then they tease you, and they come back in, and they make it close, and they still lose all of those scenarios. That's why I hate the primetime games. When I'm watching my team, it's not about the staying up late. It's about... Now I've got to get to bed, and when they play horribly, I've got to, you know, you know. again, you've, you've got to calm yourself down 
and go to bed, and then you've got to get up the next day and the whole thing, and then you're in a foul mood the next day. At least if it's earlier in the day, you know, you, you've got some time to come down. You know, like you, know, you can watch some garbage TV on Sunday night, whatever it happens to be. You can come down from your emotions a little bit. So I, I like the 430 game. That's that's my preference. I might not like it as much anymore because, you know, I know I'm in the minority or at least the, you know, the minority that talks about it. I actually liked Joe Buck and now, you know, Buck and Aikman are obviously, you know, going over to ESPN. So they're going to be doing Monday night football. So now you got Kevin Burkhart moving into the number one slot on Fox. I He's good. I just don't like him as much as Buck. So I think it's going to be different. You know, it's going to, those 430 games are going to have a, a, a different feel when they're on now, but that's the time slot that I like the best. Yeah. It just seems like it's a, a domino effect for you after those games, you know, <laughs> bad mood, not getting yes. to sleep. Yes. Letting it carry over into the next day. So you're not fully recovered at least until Tuesday. It seems like if, 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 if they lose in the prime time. So I get what you're saying. I uh, I just wash it out, you know. I, I I take I take the loss. I'm upset about it, and then I, I try to clear it out as best as I can. But sometimes it's not the case for me. Sometimes my whole Monday is ruined too. Yep. Uh, Mister 2.0 doesn't like the primetime games because it says it's just too late. I like to watch post game stuff. That's fair. That's completely fair. Um, and he says he also lives on the East Coast. 9911 Brian says he hates the early game. And I, you know, it's like sometimes I can live with it, but we all like agree more... that that one's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. Like when it, and, and you know, again, like when it's a 4:30 game, it gives you time to get some other stuff done and, you know, do whatever, then you get back and you got time, you know, you watch the the 4:30 game, you're done by 7:30, 7:45 and you know, again, you got other stuff you can get to at night. Okay, scale of 1 to 10, what are the chances Deion Sanders is a Power 5 head coach within the next two years? Um, I'm going to give this about a 3 or 4. I think that there's a, a small chance, but ultimately I don't think so. I think that he likes the situation that he's in. I think it's. Uh, I don't think he wants that full-on responsibility of being a Power 5 coach. I think you know where he's at now to be in the Power 5, I think that's just – a big step for him. I think he largely, not that he does it all, you know, for fun, but I think a lot of what he does is, uh, you know, he, he he's at that perfect level of it's it's competitive, uh, but it's not too competitive and too time consuming uh, for the lifestyle that he's trying to live. So I think that it's a solid three or four. I don't I don't really think he wants to make that that step to the power five, I, and especially if he can uh, get the you know keep getting some of these top recruits to kind of flip towards you know, Jackson State and that kind of deal, I don't see him leaving if that continues to happen. This, this right here from Ed, Florida State had better throw the bank at him. And that's that's the X factor in all this. Because Dion went 11-2 and two last year. I think the only reason, you know, he got a job at Jackson State because he wanted to be considered for that Florida State job that Norvell got. Didn't get it, so he's like, all right, I'll go to Jackson State. And then he rips the number one recruit in the country, of course, away from Florida State. I think that's the job that he covets. I think he wants that Florida State job. If he has another year at Jackson State like he just had, 
and you know, and he's able to keep because he's not just getting this one guy. I mean, he's got some some fairly solid recruits. I mean, it's still Jackson State, so it's not like he's going to have a top ten class or anything like that. But the bottom line is, if you can get the number one recruit to come to Jackson State, whether you use an NIL or not, that opens up some eyes. And so I think I think that that Florida State job is the job that he covets. So it, it all depends. It, I think it really swings on what he does this year at Jackson State and what Norvell does this year at Florida State, because I, I think this is kind of a make or break year for Norvell down there. So I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to go up a bit higher. I think he really wants that Florida State job and that would be one, you know, the one that he would make the jump to. So I'll give this a seven that it happens within the next two years. Okay. I could see that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, last question for tonight. Fill in the blank. Actually, this is not the last question. We've got two more questions. Fill in the blank, though. It's blank that Lane Kiffin was looking for a punter at Ole Miss. So he says they went out and found one at a keg party at a frat house on campus. Uh, it is it is very Lane Kiffin-ish to, uh, that he went out and found uh, a punter for Ole Miss by going to the frats. I actually saw the clip this morning. I just love how open Lane Kiffin is about everything. Like, I don't think... <laughs> I don't well, think Nick Saban would go up there and be like, yeah, you know, we didn't have any punters. So we just started walking around campus asking anyone that could punt. And I, I guess I saw, I saw a little bit deeper into it. The guy that they found used to be uh, a punter, a division one punter at some yeah. point. So it's like, they knew who they were looking for, found what Fratty was in and was like, Hey, come be a punter. But like, I think if you needed a punter, like if you're, if you're a team like Ole Miss, who's a, you know, a pretty good team, they're going to need, you know, some obviously a punter is important. You need them to to you know secure your field position. It's a it's a big thing, and and you know some of the 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 more uh, highly coveted games that they'll be playing, you can go pass out flyers to every frat and say we're having a punting competition. Come out if you're yeah. interested. We'll see who kicks it the farthest after like five or ten rounds. Kind of you know eliminate as you go. Winner gets to you know two top two three guys get to come into to camp and you know have a punt off with us. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. As long as you got a guy who can boot the ball, give you some hang time, and like I said, secure some of that field position, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's kind of smart, uh, honestly. This guy, the guy that they got, is 250 pounds. His name is Charlie <laughs> Pollock. He was a punter. He was on scholarship at Nevada in 2020. He entered the NCAA transfer portal after he lost the starting job to a transfer player. He was actually ranked as the 13th best punter in the nation in the 2020 recruiting class. And so he's in a frat throwing down some cold ones on the <laughs> Ole Miss campus. And, you know, they're out there having a having a punter tryout. And this guy gets the job. I don't understand how, like, this guy, if he started off at Nevada and he was on scholarship, you know, and he's going to go to Ole Miss, like, why didn't you just contact 
the you know like the football program to begin with and get into the walk-on tryouts or something it but, sounded like losing that job just pushed him away from uh, i guess football. so it's like uh miles brennan down at lsu he lost the job and he's supposedly walking away from football now so you yeah. know it, maybe he thought he was done i i think the most important the, the thing that i think about is like who how did they come up to the house like are they bringing the the rolls royce up to the the frat house and is lane kiffin getting out you know mid mid party grabbing a beer smashing one down shaking the punter's hand saying hey we need a punter you're gonna come punt with us or what i'll, I'll shotgun a beer with you to see you know winner i win you come punt you know i you win i'll, I'll go get lost I, i'm just curious of how the how that transaction went down yeah stymie is back here tonight sounds like pat mcafee gave lane some suggestions on where to look do you think this guy was like you know, had like the tank top on like Pat McAfee and, you know, he's like throwing out his guns at the, you know, at the keg party and, and then Lane rolls up, you know, like you said, and the next thing you know, he's the punter on the team. Lane did say he's got to get this guy a little bit of conditioning. So I don't know like what this 250 looks like or, you know, how tall he is or, or whatever. So, but it is, it is very it is very Lane Kiffin, you know, one, that they would find a guy like this, and two, that he would just talk about it openly the way that he did. So, good Disclaimer, stuff. I'm a, I'm a, I've told you this, I'm a big Lane Kiffin fan. I like his kind of uh, comeback he's had here recently. I like the way Ole Miss has been playing. So, I, I root for Lane Kiffin. I know he's, you know, kind of been gotten in, himself in trouble in the past, but I think he's a good players coach. I think his players really respect him, and I'd have no problem playing, you know, for Lane Kiffin if it ever – came down to it i like the way he's actually putting up on the field you know like early on you know like the usc and the raiders and all that stuff it was much more style over substance it seemed like he really failed up a lot of times and then going to alabama and essentially having to you know bend the knee to nick saban <laughs> and humbling himself there you know taking the nick saban's you know tirades on the sidelines and all that stuff and then going down to florida atlantic you know really have getting out of the power five and having to go off the beaten path and then showing back up at almost i like the fact that he, he seems like he has learned some stuff in you know this this latest kind of you know iteration of of lane kiffin he seems like he's learned and again like the fact that he's doing it on the field like it makes it makes the, you know, like when he says stuff like this, you know, I, I think it's easier to sort of laugh along with it rather than laugh at him because, you know, there were times he was more or less kind of like a buffoon because like he'd say stuff, but it's like, well, you know, you, you got fired on the tarmac, you know, that's what everybody can fall <laughs> back on. But, you know, he just, he just won more games in a season than anyone had ever won at Ole Miss. So I think that there's yeah. a lot more validation that comes with what he's doing right now it, it you know again it makes it kind of more fun to be able to laugh at stuff like this when he does it definitely agree all right last one tonight the cowboys committed 21 penalties in their first <laughs> preseason game mike mccarthy says that's no big deal so do you buy or sell it as a big deal jess and the disclaimer of course is that you and i are both dallas cowboys fans so I buy this largely as a, a big deal. You know, I I know th this – it is so frustrating because this is the thing that Mike McCarthy said that he was going to fix the most this offseason is yes. their discipline and the penalties 
And, you know, it's not, it's not, it's the simple penalties. It's the offsides. It's the false starts. It's the holdings, every big run play. It's the pass interference on every third and long, you know, it, it's just, it's miserable. Honestly, it, it makes you sick. Um, and it's, it's, it's just horrible. I, I, I absolutely buy it as a big deal. Uh, they, this is, you know, Jerry Jones even came out and said that this is, you know, he believes in Mike McCarthy, that this is the thing that, you know, he feels that that kind of held them back last year. Uh, and so I, if this is what you were supposed to be working on all season, and this was supposed to be a big emphasis in your camp, nothing looks different. So what, what emphasis was there? What did you work on? Like discipline football wins games. It's just like in baseball, you can't commit errors because they compile penalties, compile, you put yourself in bad situations, you give teams extra chances. It's, it's just horrible. I, I, I can't, it's, state enough how much of a big deal it is <laughs> how the hell did mike mccarthy win a super bowl it's like <laughs> it's still hard to believe that ever happened you know and i guess the answer is aaron Rodgers. that's you know that's all there is to it even though it's still somewhat ironic that you know mccarthy and rogers win this super bowl together of course they were a wild card team that year and that's the only Super Bowl that either one of them have, and they did it together. And Aaron Rodgers, everyone talks about him like the greatest quarterback ever, but he still only won one Super Bowl, and it came with Mike McCarthy. And where are they now? They've had great records and MVPs and everything else. The Cowboys were the most penalized team in the NFL last year, and it showed. It was very frustrating to watch. And like you said, Jess, this was supposed to be – the point of emphasis. And, you know, so on the one hand, you could say, well, it's a preseason game and they're playing all these guys. They're not starters and, and all this kind of stuff. But yes, it, it, it shouldn't matter because whether you're a starter or a fourth string guy playing in a preseason game, you're all practicing together. You should be working on the same things. They should be more disciplined than what they are. And that is the biggest issue. There, there's obviously been some talent there over the last few years, but it is completely undisciplined. And when you're an undisciplined team, it's a reflection of the person at the top. And, you know, it doesn't do Mike McCarthy any favors that Sean Payton is sitting there as a free agent right now either. You know, he's not doing himself any favors at all. So, I don't know. I saw who... Where where is it? Michael Hahn said Oakland Cowboys LOL. And I've said before that, you know, I, I said when Al Davis was still alive, they would that the Raiders would never win, you know, a Super Bowl again as long as Al Davis was, you know, the owner. And I it, you know, it it really hurts me because I'm still a Cowboys fan and I've been a Cowboys fan pretty much my whole life. I, you know, I I've said it before, they are the modern-day Raiders. And as long as Jerry Jones is there, I don't have a good feeling that they're ever going to win a championship again. And things like this don't make me feel any better about it. If I were the Cowboys and I were Mike McCarthy, here's what I would do. I would take the league average of penalties per game. I would take that number and I would say, okay, guys, any amount of penalties we have over this number, that is X amount of punishment that we will have as a team, I don't know, you know, like, so say the average is nine and they have 12. That means we got, you know, three, three full, full, full rounds of sprints or, you know, something like that. There's got to be something 
to hold people accountable. I know it sounds yep. kind of, you know, juvenile and, you know, we're in the professionals and all that stuff, but we're past it because they do it. You got to do something. You got to do something that makes it stick. Yep. That's exactly right. You know, and you would, you know, if like if you were in a high school and, and you were penalized that much, you'd be doing something like that, but they're not. And they've got to do something or else it's not going to change. So I don't know. It's, it's, ah, it's just very deflating. <laughs> and we've got it's a lot the- of Cowboys haters, which I knew there would be. And that's fine. You can like your team. I'll like mine and I'll watch them lose at eight 30 every Sunday night. <laughs> it's the and then go to bed angry life with the Cowboys. It's the same things over and over again. That's right. That's right. Well, Jess, I know you've got to get going have fun at uh, your guardians game. And I will uh, talk to you again soon. Sounds good. The hour flew by. So, Thanks yeah, for having as me. always, as always. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's IB Nation Sports Talk. Again, don't forget, like, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Appreciate you. As always, we will talk to you on tomorrow's show on IB Nation Sports Talk. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.